is Tonkaban episode 94. This week we'll be going over Pokemon Adventures volumes 10 and 11. Uh, my name is Cole Greco and joining me as usual is my co-host Jude Knoll. Jude, how are you doing? Doing all right. And um, honestly, this was like a pretty big surprise for me. Obviously, I knew that Mono was going to like have quit after the last chapter, mm-hmm. but I didn't realize that the series was going to take like this much of a left turn so yeah it'll be interesting to see what you think of it and mm-hmm. i'll obviously share my thoughts too but yeah i was really surprised yeah i i liked the art uh kind of more than i thought i would going because i you know really enjoyed what motto did but i it definitely is like a the first few pages are super jarring because you see like uh yeah. you see how like bill's drawn and professor oak and stuff and you're like that's not how these people look <laughs> you know in, in yeah. this series <laughs> it really takes some adjustment because mm-hmm. i did not i kind of expected not to like it mm-hmm. but over time it grew on me yeah. uh but yeah it like the initial shock of not seeing the motto illustrations mm-hmm. um wow yeah really really big chase <laughs> yeah it is it is jarring um do you, before we hop into the uh in the summaries what's our uh, what's our poke quiz for the for the episode yeah so what was your first pokemon game and what was your favorite pokemon from that game yeah so my first pokemon game was was pokemon silver um i got it i don't know what the exact like timeline was but i thought i probably got it when i was like four or something like that i got a uh a yellow Game Boy Color with Pokemon Silver. And I remember at the same time having like, and I don't know why, because like the ages don't line up. So I had Pokemon Silver. I had a Winnie the Pooh game and <laughs> and like Super Mario 1 or something like that. Like, you know, some other thing. Um, but I couldn't like, I couldn't really read. So it took me forever yeah. to like do anything at the start of Pokemon. Like it was months before I could like, you know, get to the gym and stuff because I couldn't, I would just die. I didn't know what the attacks did. I didn't know what was going on. I never played like an RPG. I'd only played like Mario and stuff on the Super Nintendo. Um, but, and even like the Winnie the Pooh game, I couldn't like really navigate around that well. Cause like I said, I was like four, maybe five. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> I could read Cat in the Hat and that was about it. Uh, <laughs> but favorite Pokemon from that game, I've always really liked Miltank. Like, even as a kid, I was like, Miltank is super cool. So, I think Miltank is is a pretty sick Pokemon. I really like Tyranitar as well, though. I mean, everyone likes Tyranitar, but I was actually going through the Pokedex before the episode to see, like, what what are kind of like the Gen 2 Pokemon. I was like, there's a lot of, like, sick Pokemon in here. Yeah, um... And I, with your Miltank thing, I mean, Miltank is probably one of the most notorious Pokemon from that oh, yeah. game as well, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. But even to this day, love Miltank. Love a normal type Pokemon. Like, my, my coworkers were actually, yeah. they were talking like, you know, what gym, what kind of gym leader would you be? And uh, no one liked my answer of normal type, but it's the it's the coolest type IMO, so. Yeah. It, it is sick um all right g what was um, your uh what was your first game and, and favorite pokemon from it i remember um before i even had a pokemon game i remember like seeing the anime a couple episodes of that and mm-hmm. then buying a pokemon guide at the scholastic book fair so i'd like read the game like the pokedex for the game that had all the move types oh, yeah. and like locations not realizing like what any of that meant I was like you know what's a route are they driving in the game like how does this work but then i i had a game boy advance and my um 
my cousin gave me his old copy of Pokemon Leaf Green. So mm-hmm. I actually started with the Kanto region, mm-hmm. but you know, it was the remastered Kanto yeah. region. Um, I think probably my favorite Pokemon from that era were, I, I really like Jigglypuff. I was always like mm-hmm. really going out of my way to catch one, even though there's like one patch of grass in the game <laughs> that actually has wild Jigglypuff. And there's like a really low spawn rate for them so i really like jigglypuff and i really like gengar and tangula mm-hmm. you know, the round ones with the really tiny limbs yep. <laughs> uh love that yeah so I those was, are probably my favorites i always liked gengar but it was always such a pain to get one because you had the trade and my cousins had a link cable yeah. but like my brother and i didn't so it's like you know we hung out with my cousins a lot but it's like you know you got to wait till they come over and then they also have to bring the link cable or something. And it's like, then everyone also, cause we would, we play our games and then we'd restart them all the time. Like, you know, I've probably put, yeah. you know, in Pokemon Ruby or whatever, I probably put like 3000 hours into it with the amount that like, yeah. we'd start it up and start it over. So like, you'd have to hope that everyone's like games lined up and then it's like, you got to trade it and then you got to trade it back. And that's annoying. So it was always such a pain to, to get like Gengar and Machamp and those Pokemon. Yeah, it's funny, like, I remember actually beating Pokemon Leaf Green for the first time, and Mm -hmm. I, like, remember where I was, because I was, like, waiting for my food at Frisch's Big Boy with my family, (laughs) and I was, like, the battery was dying, and I'm battling Mm -hmm. Lance, and, you know, I have, like, a million max revives because I could care less about (laughs) tight matchups and, like, actually training the Pokemon, Mm -hmm. but, like, I was, like, man, I hope my battery doesn't die before the food gets here. And uh, yeah, actually, you know, I ended up actually beating him. So that nice. Was a proud yeah. moment for me as a little kid. Yeah, I would say like a good, you know, like 70% of my childhood memories are revolving around like playing Pokemon or like, you know, my cousins and I, we would all go out to eat after church on Sundays and we'd all have yeah. our, we'd all, it would either be, you'd bring one of two things. It was either your, your Yu-Gi-Oh deck and we'd play at the table before like the food came. Or you'd have your Game Boy and you'd play Pokemon, but it was always so stressful because, you know, parents would be like, all right, you got to put the, got to put your game away. Like the food's here now. It's like, I, I'm in a battle. I can't save. <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably said I can't save. I'm in a battle more than anything else as a kid. <laughs> yeah, that's so real. Like, I, I feel like I remember just like playing the Pokemon games everywhere, like mm-hmm. on the way to school, like yep. after school. Mm hmm. Oh, I mean, um, unfortunately, well, yeah, the, the portable format just made it like so addictive. Yeah. I mean, I recall, so like I had the Game Boy Color and like it didn't have the backlit screen. So I had this little like, it was like this bendy reading light almost that would plug into it. And that's what I would do like, you know, when we go on trips in the car, you know, when we're driving at night. I'd have to, you'd have to either like wait till you pass a street light to be able to play. Yes, or to I, I did this, this little thing. crappy light. It was ridiculous. <laughs> oh yeah, that was that was crazy. I I was gonna bring up the street light thing if you didn't, because mm-hmm. I totally remember like you know like coming back from Target at night yep. and trying to like finish a battle before I got home. Mm-hmm. I do. It, it is also like kind of funny to like you said your first game was was Leaf Green because I remember like. Because I guess I got into Pokemon like so, so young, I was fully entrenched because I I had my dad pre-order or maybe not pre-order, but go get Leaf Green the day it came out for me because I used to, my cousins and I used to read on Cerebi.com all the time. So like 
you know, when the new games were coming out, like, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, this one's out in Japan already. And we're like looking at all the, all the stuff. And then, uh, you know, it came out over here and I'm like, dad, can you go get it for me? So he drove to Walmart and got it. And it had this, like, it was this, I don't know if it was like a special edition or something, but it had this, like, it was like a pretty legit little booklet that came with it and this like wireless, uh, like link cable sort of deal. Um, so that was pretty sick, but yeah, I was like, I was firmly like, you know, I was, I was a real Pokemon head by the time leaf leaf green came out. (laughs) I forgot that they actually came out in Japan before they came out mm-hmm. elsewhere in the past. Yeah, because we did the same thing for Ruby and Sapphire. I didn't. My cousins got Ruby and Sapphire like a few months before me, but like even leading up to that, like I remember we would be sitting. Well, my parents had this this eMac computer, and we'd be sitting in front of that with like you know three all sitting in chairs, just like scrolling through, reading like the <laughs> Japanese names for Torchic and stuff like that. And it's like you know all, all that stuff, and you know all the screenshots were in Japanese, but we're just like, look at that Pokemon, like you know what, what's a Shuffit, <laughs> like that sort of stuff. <laughs> Doesn't really happen that way anymore, but at the time it was pretty. It, it was kind of cool to like see all this stuff it was like we're going to get this but also just like maddening because it's like you know and because back then you didn't really know when things came out like that you know it was just kind of like oh games are out now (laughs) yeah now you kind of just get a leak where everything in the game gets leaked all at once and then people just post everything so there's not really it's kind of hype but there's not really any like mystery to it Mm -hmm. exactly um all right jubal do we want to hop into uh volume 10 of pokemon adventures yeah let's do it all right so um in chapter 117 we meet our brand new protagonist crystal aka chris who is a noted capture expert seeing as gold and silver haven't been updating their dexes uh because they're probably dead oak calls on her services to help complete the johto compendium she agrees so long as Oak pays for the repair of the Violet City Pokemon Academy, which he does. So what do we think, like, off the bat? New protagonist, new artist, new storyline. What were your initial impressions of it? Uh, Chris is sick. Best Pokemon protagonist yeah. we, we have. Chris is so dope. Like, kicking the Pokeballs is, like, you know, quirky and cool. She's got a cool design. Like, um, I don't know, she's, she's a fun character. She's got, like, a a cool team of Pokemon. She's got a, a, a Smoochum. <laughs> yeah. Like Smoochum, Natu. Like, you know, this is a, this is a cool team. Yeah. Chris rocks. Um, and the new art style, I actually, this might be kind of sacrilegious to say, I kind of like it. It, I ended up liking it. I think a little more than Matos. Like Matos is definitely more stylized, um, which I appreciate, but I think this is kind of like what I would envision for like a Pokemon adaptation. Yeah, I was kind of shocked because I read in the like artist notes in the back of the volume that uh, Yamamoto really like didn't know anything about Pokemon before Mm -hmm. he started this. Because I'm like, damn, all these designs are like totally all the Pokemon designs Mm -hmm. are totally on model. Yeah, like the Pokemon look perfect. Mm -hmm. I think the trainers and humans sometimes look a bit off in this first volume although they really improve like over the course of a few chapters Mm -hmm. because there are some like human designs i think look janky at first yeah but 
honestly yeah like you can see the improvement happen really fast mm-hmm. i think it's cool <laughs> cool to see oak take his white lab coat off that was interesting <laughs> yep yeah i will say all the the drawings were all like very clean i feel like you know mato's were as well but there were some like i remember anytime mato would draw snorlax it just looked like <laughs> ridiculous um yeah but all of these are uh what is this uh new artist name um yamamoto is the yeah. last name i think yeah yamamoto all of yamamoto's drawings are like super super clean oh yeah um that's like i was just really surprised at how good the pokemon themselves look like mm-hmm. they just look so accurate to the model while still like battling or you know being in motion yeah just, it was yeah. yeah really impressive like the slugma in this first chapter they mm-hmm. look great yeah i think the pokemon like the depictions of the pokemon in this are maybe a little more safe than mato's like it seemed yeah. like mato took a little more freedom to kind of like you know like with the, the the mean uh togepi like just from we haven't like had a chance for them to do that in this one yet but uh, you know, Yamamoto, like all the Pokemon that come out here, it's like, yep, that's what that Pokemon is like. Um, so that's yeah. that's a little bit of a bummer and a bit of a change, but I actually, I, I like this art quite a bit. Yeah, you gotta give him props. Like, for somebody that didn't, supposedly didn't know anything about Pokemon <laughs> before this, like, you, you would think this dude had been playing the games like from day one. Because mm-hmm. he captures it really well. Yep, exactly. All right, in um, chapter 118, seeing as Crystal has already captured more than like three-fourths of the regional Pokédex, she initially has little interest in taking Professor Elm's Chikorita on, part of, on as part of her team, much to Chikorita's dismay. The grass-type starter chases Crystal down and gets in the way of ca- her capturing a victory bell. She captures both Pokémon, however, and is about to send Chikorita back to Elm when it faces down her team with enough tenacity that she decides to bring it along after all. I thought this chapter was pretty cute, too. I mm-hmm. really like Chikorita. I yep. think I mentioned it last episode, but like I had a stuffed Chikorita as a kid. Mm-hmm. Really cute Pokémon, and I thought it was funny like seeing all the goofy expressions, like seeing a flex. Yep. Really <laughs> funny characterization. Yeah, I... Yeah, the way that like Chikorita is kind of drawn in this, I think is is really cool. It's always seen because maybe it's just because like I played, you know, the the games when they were sprites, so like Chikorita has always in my head been very static. So it's weird to see yeah. it like, you know, curl up and stuff, <laughs> like, you know, move fluidly. <laughs> but yeah, Chikorita is yeah. Chikorita is so cool. Especially, like, for an early Pokemon design, it's very weird-looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The little sausage with a leaf on its head. Yep, exactly. But, yeah, Chikorita's awesome. I, I love Chikorita. I also had, like, the giant uh, Chikorita plush as well from the Pokemon Center. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chikorita has a, a special place in, in my heart also. Let's see. And in 119, uh, Crystal can't send the new Pokemon back to Oak because the PC system is down region-wide. Later, she captures a Flaffy and a Dunsparce and uncovers a lost Pokegear, which tells her to transport its owner a Pokemon. Suddenly, a mysterious person descends from the sky. I feel like, did this happen in one of the Pokemon games where, like, the PC system goes down? I don't remember. I know that, like, in this game, it it's not like, like, in Gen 1, it becomes, it's called, like, Bill's something or other, and that's how you send them to the box. Like, you yeah. can't until that. 
And in this one, it's not called Bill's thing, I don't think. I think it ends up getting called Elms or something. So that might be a plot point. It's been a while since I've played this this gen. Oh, apparently it actually happens in Pokemon Leaf Green. Because I remember oh. this in the post game. Okay. It's like, when did this happen? So I think when you actually get to Kanto and Leaf Green, there's like this thing where the PC goes down and Bill has to upgrade it so you can bring uh oh or not gold yeah like uh ruby and sapphire pokemon yeah that makes sense like when you when you get to those islands at the the end of the game yeah the sevi islands or whatever they're called so i guess this is a little little ahead of its time yeah Mm -hmm. um i don't really have many notes for this other than uh flaffy also a super cool pokemon very underrated yeah that's like you can tell she really does have like all of the pokemon in her collection because she's mm-hmm. really sending out some de- some deep cuts yep the pokedex <laughs> um in chapter 120 we find out that the person falling from the sky is as we said bill who gives her a new portable transporter attachment for her pokedex which i that's something you can do now in the games mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure like switch between your box and the pokedex yep yeah you can more, more the innovation box, here mm-hmm a group of Staryu start attacking him and whisk him away to a nearby amusement park where Crystal uses new technology to send her Natu to the top of Ferris Wheel and rescue the captive Bill. When he's safe, he tells her that he's giving Oak a Pokemon transceiver so that she can send him new species from anywhere she chooses. So like I said, this was like kind of ahead of its time, felt a bit more like modern Pokemon in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love how the the Staryu uh, like trap Bill. It honestly, the Pokemon in this uh, series feel like more like animals than they do. I think like yeah. in the games and stuff, which is pretty cool. Like it reminds me, you know, they're just like doing this, just like mess with them. I remember I was coming back from like a run one time. And I hear this cat, like, because there's a bunch of, like, feral cats in my neighborhood. <laughs> I hear this cat, like, yelling. And I look over, and these two birds are taking turns, like, swooping down and, like, just kind of pecking at it and flying away <laughs> repeatedly. Yeah, that's so Pokemon. You gotta yeah. have was, these fury swipes on them. Yeah, I was like, they're just, like, messing with this cat. <laughs> the cat's, like, walking <laughs> down the street just like, meh. <laughs> I felt kind of bad, but I, I was I like, the feral cats also decimate all the local birds, so I was like, they're just trying to get back at yeah. it. I was like, I can't, I can't intervene. This is nature, like, <laughs> nature getting revenge. I love this big illustration of Chris's team that actually, like, tells you what moves the Pokemon have, mm-hmm. or at least some of them. Yeah. Because it's like, a Cubone has Bone Meringue, Bone Rush, and False Swipe. Mm-hmm. They mentioned False Swipe a couple times, which is... Yeah, that's cool, cool too. Yeah, because that's that's like a pure game mechanic where it's like, oh, I can't I can't weaken this Pokemon too much, or that now I can't catch it because it's dead. So like, you know, I got to use yeah. False Swipe to get it down to one HP. So that's pretty fun. I can't remember if it was this chapter or later one too, but they're like, you know, Chris can't have more than six Pokemon. I mean, mm-hmm. she could, but it's really frowned upon yeah. if you have more than six. Yeah, they're like, it would, it would be really hard to, to like care for all six Pokemon adequately, or for, you know, all seven Pokemon adequately, but six, good to go. Yeah, it's it, they really try to explain every game mechanic here, mm-hmm. which I feel like is kind of different from the Mato era in a way, because Mato would just be like, oh, the Pokedex just 
you control everything through that. Yep. This feels like a bit more of like a middle ground between the OG Pokemon adventures and the anime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. In uh, 121, a bunch of Magneton kidnap Crystal and take her to Lieutenant Surge's submarine. Uh, his sub gets stuck in a big like bunch of Corsula, I guess a Corsula reef, and Crystal fixes it by having Natu use Psychic. Um, I, I do like, I think they mentioned here, maybe it's in Corsula's Pokedex, they said like, people live in communities that are built on groups of these Pokemon. Like, I, I, yeah, I understand I, that's like a reference to coral reefs, but that's pretty wild because, you know, the Corsula are, once again, like animals basically in this world. So that's yeah. Kinda, that's kind of weird. But I will say I was a little bit bummed to see Lieutenant Surge. I, you know, we get, we get a lot of Lieutenant Surge in these volumes and I, I don't really like him i would rather this be someone else yeah and plus his design here is not as cool as the motto design Mm -hmm. he he just looks like a he looks like a cop yeah 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 he's a he's a dude in military cosplay yep (laughs) but um yeah this is kind of kind of felt like a throwaway chapter to me Mm -hmm. it's cool there's some cool moments i like when they're like diving down into the into the cave and you can see a random quagsire just mm-hmm. like hopping around yep but yeah could could take this chapter leave it um in chapter 122 crystal goes to the battle tower construction site where she sees some quillfish who are stuck in polluted waters and rescues them after the battle she encounters the legendary beast suicune Oak tells her that she needs to pursue all three legendary beasts so that she complete uh, can complete the Pokedex for Johto. I like forgot that uh not forgot, but we've spent so much time with Suicune. It's like, oh yeah, there's Raikou and, and Entei as well. <laughs> yeah, they they like are obsessed with Suicune mm-hmm. in yeah. this manga. It is weird we'll too that it's weird too that Suicune got its own kind of deal whereas like it you know like suikun was in silver and gold as you know because you got one of suikun Entei, or raiko to appear based on like which starter you picked so it's weird that they like picked suikun out as like oh this is kind of like the main one of these for for like the crystal game and for the for this i think it also got like its own kind of well no Entei got the the movie um yeah <laughs> so it, it, it's weird like how they decided on like you know which of these you know it'd be like just picking out like oh articuno is like the the main one <laughs> yeah it was it was weird like i do remember that Inte movie being kind of sick though oh yeah it was super cool it was like a cool i remember the like pre-movie where all the like i think it's like a pichu and other like baby pokemon hanging out mm-hmm. i always loved those uh those like intros more than the actual movies themselves yeah we need a collection of like all the the shorts before the the pokemon movies oh yeah the the real criterion collection Mm -hmm. (laughs) um in chapter 123 suicune starts challenging all the johto gym trainers this one she challenged or he challenges gym leader claire who's a dragon type leader and also lance's sister and he manages to defeat her um was pretty cool i i kind of forgot about claire as a gym leader entirely uh then i remembered like oh this was actually a pretty cool gym in general Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's like in that uh it's like kind of secluded it's like weird to get to that gym uh in the games 
Um, also, like, forget... I, like, forgot about a lot of these gym leaders. Like, you know, we, we had Morty earlier, but, like, even then, like, I forget that guy. Uh, I always liked um, Chuck. Is that the fighting-type gym leader's name? He's always yeah, pretty cool. Um, and I always liked Price, too, the the ice-type guy. I always thought he was pretty sick. He had the, the pile of swine and stuff. Yeah, as cool as it is to see these gym leaders, I'd like to see... Um one of our protagonists actually fight them yeah exactly in a in an actual gym battle well i mean we're getting to the point like you know in the next one we'll talk like we're we're getting into plots with like Ho and lugia and stuff and we've only got or, i mean i guess we still have rather what or i guess we've only got three volumes left after after this yeah. episode so yeah so maybe i was gonna say like at some point is it like oh we have to battle the gym leaders but Maybe we don't really have time for that. Maybe we just ignore all the Gym 2 uh, gyms. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of hope that's not the case, but I don't know. I kind of I see the vision there, too. Like, yeah. we've already kind of had a whole arc about that mm-hmm. in the previous adventure, so yeah. maybe we just skip it all entirely. Mm-hmm. I did like this old, um, this old dude with, like, the dragon helmet. He looks <laughs> very um, Takahashi or even Ghibli. Yep. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Uh, in chapter 124, Suicune starts battling Cyanwood's gym leader, Chuck, and his friend Walker, and he escapes before Walker's Skarmory can like land a finishing blow. I did think this fight was pretty cool, especially how like they break off parts of Skarmory's wings and turn mm-hmm. them into Pokeball boomerangs. It's a very cool concept. Yeah, that's awesome. I also forgot too, I was looking it up uh, like while I was reading this, like kind of what Pokemon the gym leaders had in the games. And most of the gym yeah. leaders have like two Pokemon that they battle you with. Yeah, that was, I feel like that was way more common back in the day where mm-hmm. they got these like tiny teams of Pokemon that just like are really powerful. Yeah. Yeah, like, Chuck, I'm pretty sure, literally had, like, a primate and the Polyrath, and that's, like, it. Like, he, maybe he had something else, you know, a, a Mankey also or something, but it's, like, he literally has, like, two or three Pokemon. Yeah, I always remembered the gym battles back then being harder, but now mm-hmm. I'm, like, were they? Yeah, or... I was gonna say, maybe I was just dumb. Just... It's because I yeah. couldn't read. <laughs> of course they were hard. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> fumbling through pokemon in the dark (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I do love how like polyrath is probably the pokemon that appears most in pokemon adventures he's Mm -hmm. everywhere yep yeah polyrath gets the most love of any pokemon in in this series yeah i think i remember like during the when we were doing the earlier episodes remembering that polyrath was like a supposed to be one of the unofficial like mascots of pokemon yeah or i think it makes sense yeah i think it's one of the creator's favorite pokemon or something like that too maybe um Mm -hmm. i don't remember i don't remember if it's polyrath or golduck one of the yeah one of those two um is like someone's favorite pokemon that would make sense i mean polyrath's pretty cool i've always liked his design Mm -hmm. agreed let's see um and then we meet Morty, the Oracle slash gym leader. It's in a 125. Oracle slash gym leader of Ecruteak City and Suicune's next target. He manages to paralyze the beast with Gasly's Thunderbolt, but its use of Mirror Coat allows it to escape. Um, I do like the way that Yamamoto draws battles. I feel like the moves feel a bit more like magical 
than mm-hmm. they do in Mato's drawings. Yeah. Yeah. I also like the uh, the janky screen tone around Ghastly, uh, especially like in the very first page oh, of yeah. this. Like Morty's <laughs> just like standing on top of this building and Ghastly just has this like this like graph paper screen tone around him, basically. <laughs> It's pretty cool. Yeah, it looks like like a snake skin or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, also love Mischievous too. I remember I have a traumatic memory of catching Mischievous was like pretty hard to catch. You can only catch it in like this one cave. I caught Mischievous yeah. and then I dropped my Game Boy in the toilet immediately oh, after. Damn. Yeah, <laughs> why I was trying to you know pee and catch Mischievous at the same time can only be explained to you know like a six-year-old but i did so caught the mischievous was so hype and i dropped the game boy in the toilet and uh you know it obviously deleted my save and probably ruined my game boy but (laughs) yeah so so that happened (laughs) but yeah have always like loved and hated mischievous for that reason too because i was like well i could never could never find it again because you know it's like whatever three percent spawn rate (laughs) it's like i i had mine and then it was gone a real a real trainer never stops grinding. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> can't can't uh can't put the Game Boy down for anything. In uh one twenty six, Oak teaches Chris to use the Pokegears tracking device, which allows her to follow Suicune. I remember that from the games, and that was a traumatic memory just because I remember being like frustrated oh, yeah. with how that worked. Uh huh. Because you're like, oh, it's um, over here, and you fly yeah. there, and then it's gone. Yep. Yup. <laughs> she then uses Paris's sweet scent move to lure it closer and attacks it with a Hitmonlee. However, as usual, it manages to dip out at the last second. She then runs into a dude named Yusin, who's in pursuit of the legendary beast as well. Turns out she was actually chasing the Suicune hologram that Yusin was using to attract the real thing. Elsewhere, we see another pseudo Suicune transforming back into a ditto as a mysterious person like laughs in the background. So much Suicune. I have I'm I'm tired of saying that name. Yeah. Is is Yusin part of the games? I feel like this design is familiar, but it could just be because he's a generic, you know, magician guy. Um, he's I, in the games. I'm pretty sure. Okay, I was gonna say, and I don't even still. I don't really know how I feel about him. He's kind of annoying, but he's also pretty fun yeah. as well. Like he's flying around with the Jumpluff. Jumpluff, another very yeah. cool Pokemon. Um, but yeah, so I don't. I'm 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 mixed on on you scene right now. Yeah, me too. He's. <laughs> I never really liked him in the anime or the games either, but mm-hmm. I do like him best in the manga, I think. I feel like he feels a bit quirkier, and I like that he carries around a like doll of himself that works as a walkie-talkie. Yep, that's sick. <laughs> um, let's see. In 127, Yusin uses sleight of hand to trick a family of farmers into thinking he healed their mill tank with magic, which Crystal totally disapproves of. The two then realize that they both have Suicune tracking capabilities and reluctantly decide to search for the beast together. They end up running into the ditto we saw earlier, which was created by the masked man as a decoy. Um, yeah, totally forgot. Already had forgotten the masked man existed. Yeah. <laughs> Very weird villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a not a big masked man fan. Definitely like you see more than that guy for sure. But uh, yeah. 
yeah, this this chapter was was all right. I think I do like uh, I like how much love Ditto gets in in the um, in the manga. Here it is, like you know, impersonating a Suicune. It was a it was a pretty big deal. Uh, I guess Green had one in in the first mm-hmm. uh, Pokemon Adventures. So yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, I I love the way it's drawn too. I, I think Yamamoto does Ditto better than Mato does. Yeah, mm-hmm, I agree. Um, in 128, we're watching. We start off watching some Team Rocket goons surrounding Suicune, and meanwhile, Crystal and Yuzine are attacked by the Ditto. After defeating the Transform Pokemon, they track down the real Suicune and the Rocket members. Uh, Yuzine goes after them and hands Crystal a doll of himself that also functions as walkie-talkie and tells her to go after Suicune. And then in the next chapter, since it's kind of just a continuation, mm-hmm. Yuzine battles the rockets using Girafferig and Jumpluff while Crystal travels to Ecruteak City's burned tower in search of Suicune. What'd you think of the final two chapters here? Uh, yeah, I like this little, this little arc where we're, you know, fighting Suicune and stuff. I forgot, um... I don't remember if it's mentioned in these or if it's mentioned in volume 11, but like they talk about the, the clear bell and stuff. Um, like they said that and I was like, Oh yeah. I, like I forgot all about that, that item. Um, but I guess, so I actually just looked it up. You wasn't in silver and gold. He didn't appear till crystal. So I guess he's the kind of the catalyst for like the crystal specific Suicune stuff. Mm. So maybe that's why my memories of him are are hazy because my one of my cousins had crystal, so I could only play it when it got like you know traded around to me. Um, yeah. So I, I played Heart Gold and Soul Silver, and okay. I think all that stuff was just in Heart Gold and yeah, Soul Silver. It was. So that that's probably what I read. explains it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but yeah, I thought these were cool. Giraffe rig, fun Pokemon. Um, all these attacks by jump love are cool. I love this one where it's just like it's cotton, it's just like expanding a bunch. That's pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I thought these were all right. And I you know, th- this little part of the Suicune arc is is pretty good. Yeah, Ditto being able to like expand parts of itself underground and like envelop people. Mm-hmm. Very weird. I don't <laughs> very cool though. Yeah. There's the also ditto in Pokemon Adventures is way more overpowered than the real life Ditto. Oh yeah, exactly. I also really like this. Um, there's a drawing of Tauros on like one of the last couple pages is carrying these like two Team Rocket grunts, uh, just like running. Yeah, and that panel is <laughs> really fun. That is cool. Yeah, I feel like this is the moment when Yamamoto's art like really starts to look polished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, this yeah, also Crystal's Pokemon crazy leveled up too. They're like high high forties, early fifties. Like oh man, yeah. Our other right. protagonist kind of got nothing on that except for Chikorita. What's she even doing with with Chikorita on the squad? <laughs> exactly. That's the Pokemon. Maybe she has experience share, and she's just like mm, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, she's keeping it in the back, siphoning off some of the experience points. Mm-hmm. Also, her Pokedex is crazy too. Yeah, that's the thing, like, even as a kid, my Pokédex was never that full. No, no, not at all. Yeah, I'm, I, you know, I see Parasect, and I'm like, I'm not catching that thing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that does it for uh, Volume 10. Mm-hmm. And here, yeah, we say, um, Yamamoto says, I'll be drawing this manga starting with Volume 10. I don't know, a, or I didn't know a single thing about Pokémon. I got really into trying the main girl well before anything. <laughs> I feel like... You can see that a little bit because there's definitely like 
Crystal is like very well designed, I feel like, but you know, the, the yeah. Pokemon all look very uh accurate. So yeah, I think I think Yamamoto did a good Agreed. job. Very um, on model. Mm-hmm. The characters feel very like Kinsugamori esque too. They're way like like they're blocky. Yes. Rectangular looking. Mm-hmm. Um well in volume eleven, uh also want to point out for volume eleven, the the cover of it is pretty cool. But I like how it's got silver and gold sort of like in the background of it, and they like basically don't appear at all in this volume. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They just want to remind people like, hey, they're still in the story. Yeah, like they're, they're still in the books. Don't worry. Um, but volume 11 uh, starts with chapter 130. Crystal tracks down Suicune and meets it at the, um, at the top of the tower. In their battle, she's always kind of like one step ahead of it and managed to make a capture attempt with a uh, heavy ball. And I'll just go into the the next one. In chapter 131, yeah. the Suicune breaks free and starts putting up uh, this kind of crystal wall on the tower. Uh, Chris and Cubone try their hardest to keep it from closing all the way, but can't quite do it. And they fall off the tower and kind of nowhere to be found. Um, the, the panels of Crystal and Cubone trying to like keep this... Um, like wall from going up are so cool like you know the cubone like oh, struggling yeah. with the you know with the bone it's it's awesome like honestly i was like man i kind of i kind of feel for cubone here he's like he's trying his hardest <laughs> i really like in the first chapter the panels of all the humans like floating in different ways like we've got chris having like the natu pick her up by the head mm-hmm. and then like you seen starts to grow on me here because i love that he has these like inspector gadget type shoes with propellers on the bottom Mm -hmm. like that's such a cool drawing yeah yeah also like natu being able to carry a whole human is is crazy yeah i mean that that's the power of pokemon i guess those pokedex entries with crazy feats listed well i was gonna say lying i wonder if natu can learn fly because that would be a pretty funny yeah. like reference. Like, yeah, here's how your Natu has to carry you around when you use it to fly. <laughs> um, I also like that Usain's um, binoculars suddenly have all these like high tech Star Wars looking capabilities. Mm-hmm. Yep. Also, like the you know I forget like how big of a mechanic it was, but I like the use of like the heavy balls and things like that. Um, in this because that that was always a cool part of gen 2 was getting like the you know the heavy ball the fast ball stuff like that yeah you take it for granted in the newer games but i guess that Mm -hmm. was like a big deal in johto yeah um in chapter 132 yusin finds chris uh and tells her about the tin tower which is the place that ho-oh will return and suicune made this barrier so that it could meet ho-oh uninterrupted uh yusin heads out and chris kind of breaks down uh you know, and sorry for what she's kind of done to Ho by sort of, you know, trying to interrupt its Ho meeting. Uh, she gets up and tries to catch a Psyduck, but uh, it seems she's lost her power to catch Pokemon. Um, yeah, here we get Chris develops a case of the case of the yips. We got a real Markel fault situation on our hands. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Like, it's kind of cool that they really put such an emphasis on like the mechanics of catching a Pokemon mm-hmm. in this uh, gold and silver series. Yeah. 
because that's something's like not in the games i guess until the most recent ones mm-hmm. so once again a bit more like foresight here yep yep yeah way way ahead of its time also these some of these drawings of the side are hilarious there's one where the ball just like goes over its head and it looks so goofy <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is one of the ones where i'm like I feel like occasionally he gets sloppy and goes off model, but mm-hmm. it, it works here. Yeah. There's also this one panel where it's, the side is getting attacked by the razor leaf. And it just look, it, <laughs> you know, it, it looks like someone just like, you know, picking on like a small kid or something like that. It's like, why, why am I getting, why am I being beat? <laughs> yeah. No matter who draws it, I feel like the combat in gold and silver is really like realistic in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Yep. It feels very small, small ball, like low stakes fighting. Mm-hmm. Just people kind of like beating up on each other. Yeah. Um, in chapter 133, uh, Chris Knobloch still can't catch anything. Then her mom <laughs> shows up and lays into her. She tells Chris to go back to when she started. Uh, so she kind of takes up training at Mount Mortar. Um, yeah. What a, what a backstory here. She... <laughs> She broke all. She broke like her both of her arms. Yeah, she's just like chilling in this mountain by herself. I love the panel of like yeah, her Smoochum. mom is like an idol or something. Mm-hmm. I love the panel of Smoochum like running around, panicked after she's like been knocked out, <laughs> falling in this mountain. Yeah, <laughs> there's one panel here where Crystal's mom like glares at her and you see crystal like falling backward and her head is like turned to the side yeah apparently in the original chapter she was getting slapped oh but for the viz translation they took that out interesting okay i was gonna say that that was weird i was like why is she falling down after being glared at so i assumed there was like a slap that i you know that was like supposed or that was like uh insinuated was there but i guess it was actually there the drawings of uh crystal's mom are like on that page especially honestly terrible like this weird this one in the top right she looks awful this one where she's glaring she looks so weird her body's turned the side and her head is like like an owl just like completely cocked to the side (laughs) yeah the mom is pretty pretty bad yeah (laughs) um in chapter uh, 134 bugsy is investigating the ruins of alf again and this time he encounters suicune and almost catches it but it's able to break away in the process he finds a new room in the ruins that has ho written on the wall um i like that i i guess i didn't realize in the you know in the games that bugsy was supposed to be like a um uh, like an anthropologist or something like that but um that's kind of cool yeah, I wonder if that was even the case, or, like, I feel like they take a lot of liberties with the gym leader's backstories mm-hmm. in this manga. That's fair, yeah. I also forget how big uh, Heracross is. Heracross is huge. He's, like, four oh feet God, tall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love this, like, capture net that um, Bugsy's using, too. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's made out of, like, Hisoka's bungee gum from <laughs> yeah. Hunter x Hunter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, in chapter, uh, 130 or yeah, in chapter 135, we get, uh, more of Chris's backstory and how she got all of her Pokemon. She's still struggling to get back to form, but then a Larvitar starts attacking her Arcanine. Uh, Megary, the, uh, Chikorita evolves into Bayleaf and is able to weaken the Larvitar. And Chris finally uh, sheds her case of the Yips and catches the Pokemon. Um, 
love this like angry larvitar coming through. He's just like he's just here to cause trouble. I'm all I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the larvitar is like surprisingly cracked too. Yeah. I don't remember if larvitar like is powerful at all in the mm-hmm. games, but I assume not. Yeah. No, the, he's he's pretty trash in the games, but also like how they're like, oh, the larvitar's back basically to just like keep picking on this arcanine. Like he's just a bully. Yeah, this was like five. This was five years ago. <laughs> Larvitar's never forget. And he's like out here like destroying the Pokeballs, trapping the Pokemon inside <laughs> yeah. of them. Yeah, he's just like, causing dude trouble. Is crazy. Mm-hmm. Also love how he runs. He's got like the Naruto run. He keeps his arms down to the yeah. side and just like charges head first. <laughs> Pretty sick. I I love the he like stabs Chikorita through the leaf, and that's what has her involved. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Honestly. Bayleaf, probably the coolest Chikorita form. Oh yeah, that's a that's a great design. Yeah. Way cooler than Meganium. Would have liked Meganium to like do something cooler with like this armor that Bayleaf sort of has. Instead, it just turns into flowers, mm. which is like, I mean, you know, Meganium's still pretty cool, but kind of just like a a worse Venusaur for being straight up. Yeah, and the final panel of this chapter is really interesting too. We we go from the way Mato draws cities, which are like little boxes, mm-hmm. and this is like a kind of very abstract, blurry, and stylized painting yeah. mm-hmm. of a city. Yeah, kind of cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say some of the, like the the lights in the city almost look like you know it's black and white, but looks like watercolor or something almost. Yeah. Um, in chapter 136, we're introduced to Janine, Koga's daughter, and a uh, gym leader. Um, Suikun comes to challenge her and, as usual, walks away uncaptured. Um, this one, this chapter was all right. It, it basically just served to, like, be like, hey, here's Janine, and also Koga's still, like, missing. Um, yeah. I didn't think this one was the, anything crazy. Yeah. The pages introducing Janine are kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we switch genres a bit here. Mm -hmm. Um, And honestly, like not the first time in this like saga of Pokemon adventures, we've seen somebody hanging from the ceiling ninja style. So maybe (laughs) maybe we'll see Silver and Janine team up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also really like uh, Fortress. That's a pretty cool Pokemon, too. Oh, yeah. I always wish that Fortress was like a little bit better than it than it was. Yeah. Yeah, although I always liked the like seed type Pokemon or like the super mm-hmm. like, cocoon like ones. Um, yeah, like Burmy. I always thought the Burmy and Wormadam yeah. were cool. There's the one from like uh, I think it was from Black and White that was this like really big hovering like seed or something that has spikes on it. I always really liked using that one, and its name mm-hmm. really. Oh. Uh, so I don't recall me. this one. Um, was it like the starter bug Pokemon? Yeah. Okay. It's um. See, it evolves from Pharisee. It's Ferrothorn. I really like using oh, that one. Yeah, in yeah, black yeah. And white. yeah, yeah. Ferrothorn is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've used a uh, Ferrothorn's actually like pretty good. Uh, sometimes in like the the competitive like battling, so I've used a, a number of yeah of Ther- Ferrothorn. Um, but yeah, Fortress is cool. There's actually a cool Fortress uh card that's out right now. That's actually like it's got uh. Like, a pretty interesting design. It just, unfortunately, sucks. <laughs> but it's one of these things, like, you know, it's got this it's got this ability that's, like, pretty cracked, but then it, it like, uh, it's basically, like, self-destruct. 
So it, uh, yeah, like, you know, you get to pump all your Pokemon up, but then it dies and your opponent gets prize cards, which isn't good, but I like the, I like the thought. Glad to see, you know, people are yeah. trying things with Ferrothorn or not Ferrothorn, but, uh, Fortress. I yeah. I always felt like Fortress's design was more like spiritually a Gen 3 design than a Gen 2. Yeah, I agree. There are a lot of like really angular, mm-hmm. like, uh, geometric designs. Yeah. In- I was going to say, it's it's like Bumpy Shell does look more like Gen 3 or so. Yeah. Um, next up in Chapter 137, Faulkner is training in the Safari Zone with the Skarmory when he and uh, the Scammer from Volume 1 are challenged by Raikou and Entei. <laughs> uh, Faulkner puts up a good fight and tries to catch them, but suddenly Suicune appears as well. Um, I'm just going to go on to the next one. In yeah. 138, Faulkner continues to battle, but as usual, can't catch the Pokemon. The three Pokemon jump away after saving Faulkner from falling out of the air. Um, pretty cool. They're using like Bubble Beam to like save Faulkner. I feel like that's happened multiple times in this series already. Um, yeah. But that's kind of fun. And yeah, like I said earlier, like I, I kind of forgot that there were other legendary beasts uh, until Raikou and, and Entei yeah. pop up. Um, in my opinion, Raikou, definitely the coolest one. Yeah, cool. Cool to see the return of the scammer too. The continuity in this series mm-hmm. is pretty, pretty crazy. Yep. Yeah, it's it's a real uh, assassination classroom of a of a manga where anyone can return at any time for any reason. Yep. Yeah, the writing is interesting. <laughs> um, this dude loves his characters. Yep. Um, in chapter 139, we see Red climbing up Mount Silver, and Sabrina is already there nursing her injuries, I guess from uh, that previous Elite Four fight. Uh, she's talking to Lieutenant Surge, who is on a hunt for the new rocket boss, and he finds a hideout in a um, like a rage bar shop um, and meets the masked yeah. man. Just barely able to escape, uh, Surge notices some bubbling in the Lake of Rage and heads down in a submarine to check it out. And uh, I'm going to go on with the next one, too, because they're kind of connected as well. Yeah. Uh, Surge finds the Red Gyarados frozen in ice, uh, and it breaks out and tries to free something else that's frozen, but kind of passes out in the process. Um, Surge helps it out, and it appears to be uh, gear from silver or gold, but no body is found. Meanwhile, Crystal is back to normal uh, and meets Yellow. Um, yeah, I like – I will say, you know, like I, I was saying uh, – not a big fan of Lieutenant Surge, but he was kind of cool in these. I like, I like Lieutenant Surge being more of like a a good guy because otherwise he's just like a generic asshole villain, which I don't find particularly compelling. Yeah, and Raichu's design in both of these chapters so funny. This mm-hmm. is like the one Pokemon he really went creative and off model with, and it, it's hilarious in motion. It's just like sinister expressions. Mm-hmm. I never really thought of Raichu as like a, a sinister looking Pokemon, but yeah. yeah, he pulls it off. Raichu Raichu's also huge. It's as big as Lieutenant Surge. I know. Raichu's like six <laughs> so feet tall. Funny. That Pokemon has to be like four hundred pounds. Like that is a a beast of a Pokemon. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's terrifying. Like it, it sheds a whole new light on him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, in chapter uh, one forty one, Yellow and Megari get captured by a swarm of Lickitung, but make it out. Um, Yellow tells uh, Chris that she's there to help her catch Suicune and that she's freed the legendary beasts. Um, Lieutenant Surge enlists the help of Morty to use his powers to find where Gold and Silver are. Um, and I'll just 
do the last one also. A lot of these are pretty grouped up at this point. In 142, Yellow, Crystal, and the Fisherman uh, head to Cyanwood Island. On their way, they get sucked into a whirlpool, and near the whirlpool uh, is an island that Morty says is where silver and gold are. Uh, we see the two passed out on the island with the Entei watching over them. Uh, I forgot all about like the whirlpools in this game. That's like a, a mechanic. Not quite like they're used in Gen 3, but they're just like there as a as a hindrance yeah that's like i really for some reason never really remembered much about these johto games but Mm -hmm. it makes me want to go back and play them there's there's a lot going on and the backstory is a bit cooler than i expected too Mm -hmm. yeah also like we see the return of the the surfing pikachu surfing pikachu is always pretty pretty cool i hope we see flying pikachu at some point also yeah and cool to see the return of yellow like i I, Mm -hmm. You know, I thought we'd see red and blue, but I guess everybody's kind of going to keep returning. Yeah. Hope we see green. Yeah, I was going to say, we haven't seen green uh, at all yet. I wonder what wonder what she's up to. Yeah. Um, all right, Jude. Well, uh, we'll move into our, our kind of what went wells. Yeah. So for me, I liked the pacing a lot for mm-hmm. these chapters, although... The Suicune stuff does go on a bit long. I like that each of the chapters really flows into each other. I think in the original Pokemon Adventures, the chapters felt a lot more episodic. And they they kind of just like, oh, this happened, then we move forward, and like this is a whole other day. Like yeah. I feel like all the chapters really just like flow naturally into each other. Like they end with a sort of cliffhanger and they pick right back up off mm-hmm. at the beginning of the next one. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the pacing on this was was really like kind of breezy and it it felt like a a long running you know manga where it's like you know like you said one chapter kind of leads into the next into the next into the next but uh you know it wasn't like yeah. exhausting um yeah my first one well I'm going to get to just go with the with the art uh you know we were sort of hesitant on how they'd be able to follow up Mato's art and I think you know I think it's better in some ways not in good not as good in others but uh it doesn't I don't think it feels like a step down, which is is nice. Um, you know, after one person has drawn the first nine volumes of manga, and you have to come in uh, and pick it back up. That can be weird, and it's definitely jarring at first. But like by the end of it, it just felt kind of like second nature. Yeah, and on the other side of it, for my other thing that went well, I think the writing really improved in general. Like not just the pacing, but I think the story is interesting or more interesting. The characters are a bit more fleshed out mm-hmm. and the the backstories like I, I just feel like the, all the stories feel a bit more real and a little less just like oh there's a big bad guy who's collecting a bunch of pokemon yeah and he's attacking people like there seems to be more purpose to how things work and it, it's kind of a big risk to like completely ditch your original two protagonists start with another one and then come back around to the original ones mm-hmm. like yeah, there's some risk taking, some experimentation. I think it works really well. Yeah, yeah, that kind of leads into what my uh, last one well was, which is uh, the the backstories in particular. I thought were pretty good in these. Like, I think a lot of times in these series, the backstories are pretty throwaway, and most of the part, you know, or most of the time, these aren't like super inventive. But like, you know, Chris's backstory, like why she kicks the pokeballs, like that's a cool explanation, right? Like she fell and broke her arms, couldn't, yeah. so she couldn't train that way, so she had to learn to kick them. Like I think that's a, that's like a fun quirk for her, and it feels like something that you know they uh 
they're like, well, let's have her kick the Pokeballs and then kind of figure out a backstory for her later. And I think it actually worked out pretty well. Yeah. Um, um, all right, Jude, what are your uh, what are your gripes? Yeah, I, I think for me, just like too much Suicune. Yes. I know it's a big part of the games, but like, oh my God, it's like almost a full volume of material just mm-hmm. about Suicune battling the gym leaders. Yep. I know I said the pacing was good and like, yeah, the, the chapters go by qu- pretty quickly. But I wasn't super interested in, like, the Suicune chase as much as I was everything else about Crystal's story. Yeah, especially because the, the Suicune thing, the same thing happens with each of the gym leaders. It's like, well, they almost catch him, and then he gets away. And it's like, he, he yeah. does that, like, four times, and it starts to get a little old towards the end. Oh, yeah. Uh, my first gripe is going to be, I don't think that the, uh, the Pokemon were used quite as inventively as they are you know, in the past, like a lot of them, I think I said it earlier, are very much like, oh, that Pokemon acts exactly how we've seen it in like other Pokemon media or, you know, it's depicted this exact same way. So that's a little bit boring, uh, especially after how they were like earlier on in the series, um, where it's kind of like any Pokemon can sort of, you know, do whatever, be anything. Um, it's a little bit of a bummer to kind of go back to like, uh, I guess a more like rigid structure in that regard. Yeah. Um. And yeah, that's how that's how I feel too. Like for my well, she's like the the writing took a lot of risks, and I think the art plays it kind of safe. Mm-hmm. I get why Yamamoto did that because like he was already gonna get criticism anyway for like you know not being motto. Yeah, but I do think what makes Pokemon Adventures cool is that it does like mess with the formula, mess with the aesthetic in mm-hmm. ways that the other Pokemon media doesn't. Yeah. And so I'd like it to get weirder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, my final gripe is just going to be the return of the Mass Man. I'm not interested oh, yeah. in the Mass Man's uh, like story. I understand he's kind of the at this point at least the big villain of this, and I just I find him even less interesting than like the evil gym leaders in Elite Four of the of the last Pokemon Adventures. So yeah, I'd like to I'd like to solve Mass Man and like let's just you know do some Lugia and Ho-Oh mystery stuff um all right jude who's your uh trainer or pokemon of the week yeah so this is gonna gonna be like a you know smaller appearance that i thought was really cool but i actually really liked yellow's uh, appearance near the end Mm -hmm. i really missed her character i liked the return of like her crappy drawings and just like almost feral personality yep (laughs) it was really fun Mm -hmm. and that was probably one of my favorite chapters of the second volume. Yeah. Yeah. Yellow's return, I thought, was better than uh, like when we get red coming back in, in the, the previous yeah. episode. Um, my uh, character or Pokemon or, you know, trainer of the week is going to be uh, Crystal. I think Crystal is just a very, very good protagonist, um, you know, kind of goes off the same way that uh, Gold and Silver were, where like. Still feels like a kind of traditional, you know, almost Shonen Jump-ish, just generic kids manga character. But I think she's got a little more depth to her. Like we said, you know, she she develops the yips, works works through that, has a kind of fun backstory, um, you know, has to deal with this like weird mom, has a cool team. I think Crystal's just a, a good yeah. a good protagonist. Um, all right, Jude, who are you? Who are we sending away with uh, with Officer Falconer this this week? Yeah, I mean. The masked man for me, yeah. I, I know you said it before, he's just not doing it for me. Yep. Um, 
I feel like it's a very cliche, like, anime manga thing to just make a villain's entire personality trait that he's mysterious and in a disguise. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's not enough mystery there for me to care. Yeah. Especially since I know, like, since this era of Pokemon is so far behind us, like, we kind of know what he's up to anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my, uh, person I'm sending away is going to be, uh, Lieutenant Surge. Just really don't like yeah. Lieutenant Surge. He, he had a couple moments near the end of these, but even then it's like, if you replace Lieutenant Surge with anyone else, I would probably enjoy it a little bit more. Um, he just has a, yeah, a very that. bland design. Um, you know, his Pokemon, like, while, yeah, the Raichu was kind of cool. None of his Pokemon are like fun pokemon to hang out with you know like he's got a raichu some magnemite and like an electabuzz i'm not you know mm-hmm. none of those are are very fun um so yeah let's just let's get rid of lieutenant surge give me give me someone cooler like you know maybe this could have been lance that would have been fun we see a you know the dragonite everywhere or like you know agatha that would have been cool don't don't want yeah lieutenant surge there. was sick mm-hmm. um all right, well, that does it for Pokemon Adventures this week. Jude, do you have any uh, kind of recommendations before we head out? Um, Yeah, I was talking to you about it earlier, but every year we, me and my girlfriend or maybe some of our other friends go to the Renaissance Fair, and I'm not super interested in, like, Tolkien-esque or fantasy aesthetics, but I don't know. It, it's, it's fun, especially if you're going to the Ohio one and one excuse to just, like, walk around for a few miles and people watch mm-hmm. maybe buy some like dumb junk yep it's kind of like a big flea market with like weird entertainment and cosplayers mm-hmm. you see a lot of furries there too oh really at the renaissance fair? It was, yeah it was like almost it was like mid 90 degrees and there were a couple people in full fur suits there uh big Jesus salute feet. to anyone who can um do that yeah i'll just say more yeah more power to them. That sounds uh, nightmarish. Yeah, braver than the troops. <laughs> um, my recommendation this week is going to be the record DS2 by Future. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> not, Classic. Not, Those are my like, top 10. I was going to say, not a, a uh, you know, a, or a pretty well known album, but um, I, Future has such a like specific point in my life of like every time I listen to those songs, I just it feels like I'm walking around Clifton, uh, way too drunk. Um, but I listened to a little <laughs> bit of listened to a little bit of it yesterday. My wife and I are driving home from a uh, a wedding, and I was like, you know, we had like 20 minutes left in the drive, and I was kind of kind of feeling it, so I was like, well, let me put this this on, and I was like, I'll just kind of like skip around, and you know, the first song, you know, uh. First song comes on, it's great, you know, love here and like the little sound effects of him like sipping lean at the, at the start is yeah. is incredible, one of the best like, you know, probably 30 seconds to an album ever. Um and then like, you know, the next song comes on, you're like, "Oh, this one's good." And then this one's good, and this one's good, and yeah, just uh if you if you haven't listened to that album in a while, uh, go go recheck it out. It's it's great. Um, and also a, a fantastic like fall and winter album. I feel like it feels very uh, <laughs> feels very cold. Yeah, I, I always really liked uh, "I Serve the Bass." Yep. Mm-hmm. The 
the weird like horn sound in the background whatever <laughs> that is uh that's crazy yep genius yeah that one's good i mean i, I forgot how good slave master was and the uh the long live a oh, yeah. <laughs> chant is is yeah. hilarious to look back on too it's like man like this was a that album is very like steeped in its era which i i love too yeah apparently the guy who um who like engineered futures music at that time seth firkins was from louisville oh interesting he actually died in like 2017 but uh yeah that dude was like a big part of futures like vocal mixing and engineering and stuff Hmm. a local somewhat semi-local legend right there Mm mm-hmm yeah, I, I sort of, I was a, a big future guy for a minute, and then, like, once he put out, uh, what was it, Hendrix, and uh, yeah, what was that other one that came out, whatever the one that came out at the same time that was. Oh, I think it was just, like, self-titled album. Okay. Yeah, future was the yellow one. Gotcha. Yeah, when those came out, I, like, listened to them and liked a few tracks, and then, like, ever since then, it was just like, yeah, maybe this this isn't quite for me anymore, but uh ds2 definitely definitely rocks yeah it's a classic for sure Mm -hmm. um all right well that does it for us this week uh thanks for listening as usual tune in next week we'll have uh volumes 12 and 13 uh nearing up the the end of pokemon adventures only two more episodes left um with, with these arcs yeah but uh yeah so thanks for listening as usual hit us with the rating review and we'll uh see you next time